This is the Canadian Taxpayers Podcast. We're dedicated to lower taxes, less waste, and more accountable government. I'm Chris Sims. I'm the BC Director of the Canadian Taxpayers Federation. I'm here with my friend, Todd McKay. He holds down the fort as the Prairie Director. And we're, we've got a special series of podcasts that focuses on big issues during this federal election. And Todd, you and I talk about this a lot, but it doesn't get a lot of attention in the mainstream media or on the national stage. And that is fighting for accountability for First Nations folks, for Indigenous people. Now, for those of us who aren't Indigenous, sometimes it's hard to make a personal connection to this, to really understand what's going on. So let's get into it. Where are we on this? Well, listen, let's start with something that I think most of us would kind of understand. We're in the middle of a federal election. Uh, the rules on elections are super tight. So I think we all know if you see somebody cheating uh, in the federal election, you can call Elections Canada, you can call the cops, you can call the other parties. They're happy to jump in on it. There's lots of numbers to call because we take accountability and transparency on elections really seriously. You can go to jail if you cheat on a federal election. But you know what? If an Indigenous person sees cheating in their banned election, who should they call? So we asked a gentleman named Rob Louie that question, and here's what he said. There is no phone number right now, Todd. And, and the criminal code uh, that deals with um, electoral fraud only pertains to the federal and provincial elections. It doesn't pertain to banned elections. Yeah, that's Rob Louie. Uh, he, by the way, is a trained lawyer, and he is the founder of a group called the Band Members Alliance and Advocacy Association of Canada. He is trying to push for more accountability in First Nations communities, and it's something that he comes by through his family. His uncle uh, fought for transparency as well at his local First Nations government level. And accountability is a big deal for every kind of government, and accountability it's a key part of our mandate. <laughs> we end it with more accountable government and that goes for everybody. So let's be clear, if candidates are cheating in an election for chief and council, there's nobody to investigate in that case? Well, listen, there's a little bit more to it, but the short answer is no. Uh, there's not really a, a, any real investigation, certainly not the kind of uh, uh, level that we would expect uh, in the elections most of us are used to watching. That's a really big deal. For Rob, it's not just a hypothetical situation. He was at a band just a few days ago. He saw people lining up at the gas uh, station at the uh, First Nation uh, because the candidates in the local band election were buying people fuel. They're essentially starting to buy them off already. Can you imagine if that happened in the federal election? Like that would be front page news, coast to coast. The candidates doing that would be famous, everybody would know their, their, uh, their name. Um, it's a big deal, but we'll get back to all of that in a minute because we need some good news. It's easy when we're talking about some of these things to just be like huge downers, but we've got some good news to talk about. And here's a piece of good news. The overwhelming majority of First Nations, they're proactively publishing their audited financial statements and the salaries and expen expenses for chief and council, they're doing it proactively. Now that sounds routine or it should hopefully sound routine to our viewers and our listeners, but it's actually a really big deal. Getting governments to be transparent and accountable and post what they spend online is a huge fight. Even here in BC, 
MLAs, it took years to make them post their office expenses or what they spend on travel. So every level of government and politician tries to weasel their way out of this. They'll try to skirt the rules. They'll drag their feet. They won't post the documents that they're supposed to be docu documenting. Um, and just take a look at the federal level. We have access to information requests, ATIPs we call them, or Freedom of Information, FOIs. Try filing one. File one and you'll wait sometimes years. I have friends who are journalists who will pop stuff up on Twitter saying, hey, I remember when I filed this, I was three years younger. And then they'll often just get a document that's so heavily redacted that it just looks like a bunch of like blacked out Lego. They can't read anything. So that isn't true transparency and accountability. So when you keep that in mind, it's excellent that we have First Nations governments that are being proactive about this stuff. Yeah, and I think that's a key thing. Anytime we're talking about problems with one group, in this case, we're talking about Indigenous communities, it's worth talking about we've got those problems other places too. Like I grew up in rural Saskatchewan. Municipal governments in Saskatchewan, a lot of them are really good. They post their, their uh, expenses and all that kind of stuff. Some of them don't. And so there's problems everywhere. But here's another uh, part of this that makes this news even more remarkable that a lot of First Nations are proactively posting their documents. In 2015, the Liberals announced that they would stop enforcing the First Nations Financial Transparency Act. So that means if there are grassroots band members out there who are pushing their chief and council to be more transparent, Ottawa is sending them a really clear message. We're not going to help. We're going to sit on the sidelines. We're going to sit on our hands. We're not doing anything. You are on your own. And yet, most bands continue to provide transparency. Yeah, it's good. That's the good side that the majority of First Nations governments are being transparent. They are posting their expenses. But we have to talk about the bad here, too. That means, conversely, that the minority of the First Nations governments still aren't doing the right thing. Yeah, that's right. And we've got to talk about that bad news a little bit. Uh, but there are also some heroes. And so let's listen to a clip from one of them. Financial transparency is like a the umbrella to to everything else. Um, everything else is like uh, um, under it will be the social economic problems, the housing problems, the health problems, education problems. So a lot of you will probably already recognize that voice. That's Charmaine Stick. Uh, she's a band member for uh, at the Onion Lake Cree Nation. Yeah, Charmaine is tough as nails. I've read some of the stories uh, that you've done with her, uh, both in our Taxpayer magazine and elsewhere. She went on a 13-day-long hunger strike to push for more accountability back in 2014. And so that garnered a lot of attention locally. A lot of people would think that's really admirable, right? Well. Apparently, when her chief went and visited her, she apparently was told, you can go ahead and starve to death because nothing's going to change. But she kept pushing. She didn't give up. She kept, pu kept pushing. And ultimately, she partnered up with the Canadian Taxpayers Federation in that fight. Yeah, and we took uh, Charmaine's chief and counsel to court. We forced the Onion Lake Cree Nation to disclose some of those documents they were hiding there were some uh, surprises in there. The chief had given himself a big raise. He's making over $150,000 at that point. That's roughly three times what the average chief was making. Put it in more perspective, the average income in the reserve was around, it was less than $20,000. So the chief's raise 
was more than most people's overall income at the reserve. That's what it showed. It also showed that the band had made some crazy investments in some New Zealand tech company and lost a million dollars. Like this is why you have to have transparency. So when things go sideways, people can put up their hand and say, ah, you know what? Like we need to fix that. That's not right. So, but here's a key part of the struggle. Federal authorities did nothing to help. Charmaine was working her tail off, taking huge risks. The feds did nothing. But the rest of us, uh, you know, we can look at look up that kind of information uh, on the internet. If I want to know about those kind of expenses uh, here in Moose Jaw, City Hall posts that stuff online. We can look it up for Charmaine. She had to take a huge stand. It's a whole different deal for her. It really is. And I think um, we should take a pause here. Most of us who don't live on reserve or who don't live under the governance of a First Nations government may not know what huge risks these freedom fighters and these activists are taking here. It's hard for us to really understand, but the band office in most of these cases often controls fundamentals like jobs, your house, even forms of schooling, like student programs, like everything. Um, even in some cases, I've heard from people who are getting their firewood supply cut off in the winter because they dared question where the money was going. So that means that Taking these stands comes with really big risks. Here's Charmaine explaining what can happen when you do that. They've gone as far as um, kicking elders out of their own homes, um, shutting off utility power to people's houses. It can even go so far as to taking away um, um, your children. Um, anything and everything that they can find to hurt you in any way to make you shut up, sit down. Yeah. So again, like, it just sounds like uh, something coming from a different world. Hey, right? like I think about myself, you know, when people ask, what do you do for a living? I work for the Canadian taxpayers federation. Oh, what do you do there? Uh, you know what? I've gone pro making fun of government. That's what I do. Most people make fun of government, just like over coffee and stuff. I've gone professional. I do it all the time, but here's the thing. I've never been worried that politicians were going to get me fired. I don't worry that they're going to take away my house. My power is not going to go out because I'm making fun of the premier. But it's really important to remember that's that's a privilege. It's a right. But most people in, in history and a lot of people around the world, uh, that right isn't recognized. You can't uh, criticize a politician without uh, worrying about retribution. Mm -hmm. But listen, again, uh, this is a big enough point that I think it's worth repeating. We asked Rob Louie about this as well and asked him to contrast, you know, what's it like for, for folks in some of these Indigenous communities? Not all. Many are very good. But for some of these where they're having real troubles, what's it like uh, for somebody in Indigenous community versus uh, a guy like me who makes fun of uh, politicians all the time? If you did it, your, your job isn't going to be on the line. You're not going to get fired. In Indigenous communities, if we did that, uh, I would say nine times out of 10, that person's job would be terminated or their some sort of benefit to their family would be cut off. And there's really an issue of fairness here. And it's something that Rob touched on there. Everyone should have the right to hold their leaders accountable. But Charmaine and Rob and others, they don't. And they don't have the supports that the rest of us enjoy here in Canada. So we can turn around and we can criticize Prime Minister Justin Trudeau till the cows come home. And like you said, 
our power isn't going to get shut off, but theirs could if they criticize their leaders. And that's what's unfair. And here's a frustrating thing on that note. When the Liberals stopped enforcing the First Nations Financial Transparency Act, they promised to replace it with something even better. Here's what Crown Indigenous Relations Minister Carolyn Bennett said, quote, and I'll read directly from it. Transparency and accountability are paramount to any government, whether it is municipal, provincial, federal, or First Nation. We will work in full partnership with First Nations leadership and organizations on the way forward to improve accountability and transparency, end quote. Well, we asked Rob, how is that working out? Yeah, that's what I was about to ask you. Has it worked out? <laughs> it, it, it hasn't. It hasn't, Todd. I haven't seen anything. Yeah, it was funny when I asked Rob about that. He was laughing at me like, what are you talking about, man? But I asked, uh, I asked Charmaine as well. And I got to say, so Charmaine is one of the most courageous people I know, one of the toughest people. Uh, but she's also a huge political nerd. Like every so often I'll phone her and I could hear question period in the background because she's watching CPAC for fun. I don't, like even me, that's a, that's pretty high level nerdery even compared to me. Here's what she said. I haven't seen anything, nothing, not that I'm aware of. Um, they're just still, they're still in the same shoes they were seven years ago, eight years ago. So that's just depressing. So really, when it boils down to it, is the federal government doing nothing at all on this file? Yeah, but really, uh, they've been doing a lot of nothing. It's that kind of paradox of, of government. So in 2017, Ottawa did an online consultation to see what people thought about transparency in First Nations community. I don't think this is a huge shock. The overwhelming majority of people who participated in that survey said uh, transparency is pretty important. It's weird that you're asking. Of course, uh, there should be transparency in these communities. Uh, but Ottawa wasn't satisfied with that. So they did this cross-country tour of in-person meetings. But these ones were invitation only. And they almost exclusively focused on leaders, chiefs, councils, that kind of thing. Those people were a little bit less than enthusiastic about transparency. And again, like not to judge, but if you if you want to know about Senate reform and increased transparency on the Senate, you may get a different answer from senators. In fact, when we've talked to them about it, that's exactly what happens. It's a little bit different when you ask the people who benefit from transparency versus the people who will have that transparency imposed on them. But Ottawa, they sided with the people who didn't want the transparency. They uh, they just leaned right into that direction. Yeah, and it sounds like a lot of uh, meetings and reports, meetings and reports, studies and reports. If I hear that one more time, it, you know, if there were a parrot on Parliament Hill, <laughs> that's all they would say because they would just have studies and reports. So when you look at all of this, is this just a bunch of nothing that they provided yeah. so far? It's a great big bunch of nothing. And hang on, there's more where that came from. So two years later, 2019, the federal government did another committee to do more recommendations. Uh, the committee didn't uh, back obvious stuff like enforcing the First Nations Financial Tra uh, Transparency Act, which again, most bands are complying with now, even though they're not enforcing it, they'd only be enforcing it on the few bad apples that don't want to. Committee didn't take a close look at that. It did recommend establishing an auditor general for First Nations communities. So here's another one. Most people don't even probably think about what the auditor general does for them. But we have auditors general who handle provincial or look at provincial governments. 
And uh, the federal government, you'll remember back in the day, Sheila Fraser was the one that absolutely lit up the federal government on the sponsorship scandal. But people in Indigenous communities, they don't have an Auditor General looking out for them at all. And you notice it when it's not there, that's for sure. So that was a recommendation that came out of the committee. Great idea. I think it's a good idea. Uh, I don't mind giving credit where it's due, but it's been two years and nothing's happened at all. This is the thing. They'll come up with something like the Financial Transparency Act, which works, and then they'll just abandon it. And then they'll get a suggestion going like we should have an Auditor General for First Nations issues and First Nations governance that they can call. Great. Do it. But it really sounds like they're having a lot of doing going on without actually getting anything done. It reminds me of when George and Seinfeld said, all I do is walk around hurriedly, look angry, carry paper. Like that doesn't actually get anything done. And so of course, right now we've got a federal election going and it's worth checking to see what the opposition is offering here. We know what the governing liberals are doing. So what is the opposition actually going to do to this? Conservative leader Aaron O'Toole, he voted for the First Nations Financial Transparency Act. But when we asked him about it, he said he wouldn't enforce it. Instead, he said he'd set up a committee of Indigenous people to deal with the issue. Sound familiar? Sounds very nice. But when we asked him what he would do to help Charmaine with her specific fight, listen to this. Well, perhaps Charmaine can be one of the, the members of the board of this uh, First Nation-led transparency initiative. Yeah, so that sounds great, hey? I'm sure that'll solve all of Charmaine's problems, another committee. Anyway, I mean, I had to ask about that a couple of times when I was talking to him. It just, uh, I was surprised and I wanted to make, give him a chance to uh, clarify on that one. And that was the answer he came back with on the second try. Uh, anyway, I messaged Charmaine about this the other day. Uh, I, I asked her, I was like, hey, uh, hey uh, have you heard anything from uh, O'Toole or any of his people? Her reply was actually, it was immediate and kind of funny. She's like, is this a serious question? But no, not once. Why? He, she hasn't heard from O'Toole at all. I like the why at the end of it. Like, why are you asking me this? Of course not. You know, it sounds like politicians at the federal level, at least, are both happily spinning their wheels, doing a whole lot of nothing on First Nations transparency. But let's go back now. Let's go back to where we started with the election in First Nations communities. If their leaders are bad, can't the band members just turf them? Can't they just throw the bums out if they're not happy? Yeah, for sure. Like elections in First Nations communities, they do have value from an accountability perspective and bad politicians do get the boot uh, at time in First Nations community. And a lot of those elections are run very well. But again, the issue here is what kind of protections do we have in the minority of situations where things go really wrong? Uh, you know what? We'll, uh, we'll play another clip from Rob Louie uh, explaining the issue. Everyone knows that vote buying takes place, but proving it is difficult because what, what happens is that the people that are benefiting you know, by getting this money have to come forward. But if they do, then they just cut themselves off. And if that person gets in, well, there's going to be retribution. Okay, that's just mind boggling. Okay, election fraud is a crime. That's on them. That's on the bad guys. It shouldn't be on grassroots activists to investigate this stuff. If you or I see fraud, like if in the middle of the federal election, if we saw our local candidates buying people gas saying, go vote for me, a chicken in every pot, we can call Elections Canada, get them on the horn. They'll send the cavalry. And if they're found guilty, those people could actually go to jail. 
Yeah, yeah. Like it's serious stuff. Elections fraud is a big deal. Uh, but let me tell you about just even one of my experiences. I was uh, I got a call from some indigenous activists from the uh, Canoe Lake Cree First Nation. I was actually on my way to Winnipeg. I was on the road uh, here from Moose Jaw to uh, on the way through Regina. They happened to be in Regina. So we just met up on the side of the road. They started spread, spreading out documents on the trunk of the car. It was a 34 page affidavit where a candidate was personally detailing how he himself bought votes. I just about fell over. I couldn't believe it. Here I'm looking at this document. I'm, I've never seen something so cut and dried. The guy himself is saying that he broke the law. Like you shouldn't need Sherlock Holmes on this one. No, no it kidding. Signed, it was signed. The candidate was blowing the whistle on himself. It should have been a done deal. I remember this blowing up. I remember seeing stories about it and the CBC did a big story about it, but I don't remember what happened after that. I just remember the headlines. Yeah, I think uh, you and a lot of other people because nobody was prosecuted. It was all there, black and white. The guy admitted to it, signed an affidavit. Authorities essentially didn't do anything about it. So that kind of thing really isn't surprising to Rob Louie. Here's how he explains what happens uh, when Indigenous activists phone the authorities about issues like this. What they'll say is, we'll leave it to you guys to, to resolve. Well, in doing so, what they forget is that there's a huge power imbalance between chief and council and band members. And so when you leave it to the foxes that are in the hen house to fix the problem, invariably the, the problem is not going to be fixed because chief and councils don't see that there's a problem. And, you know, the consequence is that the, the poverty continues, the power imbalance continues, the financial shenanigans continue. And, uh, you know, we're still left uh, at the end of the day, you know, with the status quo that, that is unacceptable. This is so frustrating. You'd hear stuff like this and you can't quite believe it. You want to pull your hair out. Indigenous activists like Charmaine and Rob should have the same rights and protections as the rest of us, the ones that we take for granted. Like that should be a no brainer. Like that's a baseline here. They should be able to see what their communities are doing with their money. That's just basic. And they should have supports to call when they do see problems. So if they see somebody buying votes with gasoline, they have a place to call. They shouldn't be left alone twisting in the wind. It's not fair. Yeah, and here at the Canadian Taxpayers Federation, we have a long history of working with uh, Indigenous activists. We worked, worked with a, a brave woman from Manitoba, Phyllis Sutherland. She was actually the driving force uh, behind the First Nations Financial Transparency Act. Our, our uh, prairie director at the time, Colin Craig, uh, did a great job of pushing that through Ottawa. Obviously, we're going to keep working with Charmaine and Rob and others uh, doing our best to help. But here's the thing, and I think this is the reason we wanted to talk about this now. When you're out talking to politicians and they're asking you for their vote right now, ask them, what are you going to do to help Indigenous activists who are pushing for accountability? We can't be turning a blind eye. We can't be letting our politicians off the hook when authorities who should be stepping in and helping these folks when they turn a blind eye, we need to do better on this. So when you're talking to politicians, make sure you tell them you expect them to do their job and stand up for these folks. Stop by also, stop by taxpayer.com. We've got a petition calling on Ottawa to enforce the First Nations Financial Transparency Act. Go ahead and sign that. 
So that's it for uh, for this particular chat. Uh, thank you so much for listening. We've got a bunch of other big issues that we've touched on during the election right now. Carbon taxes, home equity taxes, spending, censorship, gun ban and buyback. Oh, man. You can mow the lawn, clean the house. You get all kinds of stuff done while you're listening to all this stuff. So check it out. Um, thank you so much for listening. Thank you to, to Jimbo, James Wood uh, for editing this. And uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Hi, I'm Scott Hennig, president of the Canadian Taxpayers Federation. If you've got another minute, I'd like to ask you to think about the one person you know that would really enjoy listening to this podcast. Do us a favor and do them a favor and send them a quick note to let them know about it. At the Canadian Taxpayers Federation, we believe there is power in numbers. That's why we've worked so hard to build an army of taxpayers who are ready to push back. And we did it because people like you shared our work with that one person that they knew would really appreciate taking part. Thanks for listening, and thanks for doing your part to make Canada a better place.